Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. When I got saved, things were a little radical for me. I really got saved. (laughs) Some of you are probably wondering what, what I'm saying. I really got saved. I became a new creation. You see, prior to my salvation experience, because, oh, it was an experience. You see, it was an experience. Something actually happened to me. You see, again, I bump into many that they've prayed a prayer, but nothing has actually happened to them. All they've done is adopted a new language. All they've done is learned how to memorize verses and sing songs, but they are still the old thing that they were before. But something happened to me. I was a drug addict for more than 10 years into drugs and sexual lifestyle and all kinds of crazy stuff at 12 years old. Ended up getting expelled from high school. Ended up living in my car for a year and a half, doing all types of crazy things that some would call gang life and living and dealing drugs and out on the streets fighting and in and out of jail all the time. Sat in a doctor's office, I'm just giving you a little bit of my resume so that you understand that I'm not necessarily preaching because I grew up in a preacher's house. I'm not preaching because I grew up in an environment that was conducive in order to produce something like me. Sat in a doctor's office at 17 and found out that because of my wild ways and the way that I wanted to satisfy myself by pursuing myself, you see, there's no greater bondage in your life than to only have you to pursue. Sat in a doctor's office at 17 and found out that for the rest of my life, science had no answer for me. There was no cure to the disease that had now entered into my bloodstream through sexual activity. Found out at 17 years old that for the rest of my life, the best thing they'd be able to do is offer me pills that I had to take on a daily basis in order to suppress the disease that was now ravishing my body. (laughs) Things were dark. They were ugly. The hole was deep. I showed up to a gathering like this on a Sunday night in Central Florida, October 6, 2002, not because I was there trying to change my life. I wasn't just trying to integrate Christians, hoping that I could get better. I wasn't just trying to go to a church in hopes of trying to correct things that I knew were ultimately damaging towards destiny and future and hope and promise and purpose. I didn't care about none of those things. I was in the ugliest, darkest hole I had ever been in my entire life. Did not grow up going to church or even hearing about God. There was no Sunday school, children's ministry, youth camp. None of these things were a part of my life. In fact... I was continually told that I was on my way to hell because of the way that I was living. But you see, I didn't have to wait until I got there because what I was living was already hell. And October 6, 2002, it was a Sunday night in Central Florida at an Assemblies of God church. I showed up to church with a backpack full of product. At the time, I was a small business owner. (laughs) Was running a street pharmacy. And I sat in the back row waiting for church to end because I wanted to fight the pastor's son on Pastor Appreciation Day. (laughs) 
Towards the end of the night, a woman asked me if she could pray for me. I said, I'll do whatever I have to do to get out of this crazy place. I ended up down at the altar, which would have been somewhere right around here. It was all a game. It was all a joke. This place was a circus. It was the craziest place I had ever been in my life. I thought I had seen crazy stuff out on the streets. The streets couldn't hold a candle to the crazy, wild, Jesus-loving radicals that I experienced in this place. You see, some of you are trying to be too normal. (laughs) And I ended up down at the altar by the end of the night. Again, not because I wanted to pray, not because I wanted to be there. I just wanted to fight, and I was willing to do whatever I could do to be able to get through the end of the evening, fight in the parking lot, and go back home to get back to business as I knew it to be. But I ended up somewhere down here. And they said, are you willing tonight to lay your life down and to live it only for God? I said, sure, how do we do that? I've never done that, let's do that. If that's what it's gonna take to get me out of here, let's do that. He said, lift your hands, close your eyes, and just pray what I pray. I said, sure, whatever. Again, this was a game. Nothing was gonna happen. I lifted my hands and I closed my eyes and I began to pray and I came into a visionary experience where I saw Jesus, the one alive from the dead and he was more good than I knew how to describe. And even though he seemed distant from me, he came running with all of his might in my direction. And he ran up close and he didn't just stand a little bit off. He ran up and he grabbed me and he embraced me and he squeezed me tight and he began to speak things over my life. And out of what seemed like five or six seconds when I lifted my face out of my hands because I was ugly crying. I'm not talking this like cute church stuff where like, oh, you sang my song tonight. Like... I mean like ugly, broken down, years of darkness and bondage and slavery and addiction and years of nothing but only my fleshly, lustful desires to satisfy. I was a mess and realized that it had been 45 minutes and I was a radically different person. I was immediately delivered from drug addiction and alcoholism and perversion and rage and anger and brokenness. That sounds amazing and it is, praise God. But I had to learn how to live free. (laughs) You see, you can be delivered in a moment, but being delivered and learning how to live delivered are two opposite situations. You see, at times we forfeit what God has genuinely done because we have not yet consistently learned how to live out what it is that God has worked in. And some of us have given up in hopeless thinking, thinking that we're just always going to be the same thing that we've been. I'm always going to be this way. And then we even try to spiritualize it. Well, brother, this is just my thorn in the flesh. And we convince ourselves that bondage is our portion. We convince ourselves that these fears and insecurities and all of the things that we have wrapped up on the inside of us is our inheritance. 
I'm just going to have to deal with this until the day that Jesus comes back. You believe that if you want to. You hold on to that if that's what you're really looking for. The night that I got saved, something happened to me. I became a new creature. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, when any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed and all things have become new. All things have become new. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that at one point before our glorious salvation, our experience was being governed by the prince of the powers of the air. And the influence of the powers of the air was seeking to infiltrate our mind and our heart to get us to behave and to believe that the only thing we had as our portion was to give in to the lustful cravings of this natural man. But you see, something happened to me when I got wrapped up in Jesus. I got wrapped up in Jesus, and I found that Jesus began to unwrap all of these other things that had held me as a prisoner for the majority of my life and all of what my experience had been up until then. He set me free. He made me something new. I was actually converted. <laughs> I became something new by way of experience. I didn't just learn when to attend and the times of service, and I didn't just know the songs and know by behavioral patterns when to do and how to do, or the adoption of a new language. I encountered Jesus. And from that point forward, you can forget about it. It was over for me. It was over. I was the guy in every service from the day I got saved. It didn't matter to me whenever the doors were open, I was going to be there. It didn't matter to me what you were preaching on, how long you were going to spend speaking. The topic was not really that important to me. I could not wait for you to get done so that I could charge the altar. You didn't have to wait for somebody else. You didn't have to worry about, well, I don't want to be the first one to go. I really feel like I'm supposed to go, but I'm going to wait for somebody else so that everybody's eyes can be over there and then I can just kind of casually make my way to the altar. That was not me at all. I wanted Jesus. I wanted Jesus. And I heard it all from all the church people. You would expect it from people outside, but it was people inside. Oh, I'll just, I'll just give you a little bit. Yep, I'll just give you a little bit. It'll, it'll rub off. Yep, you're on fire now. It's cool now. You're all excited now. You had your little experience. When was the last time you had an experience? When was the last time you actually touched him? When was the last time you didn't just go through your hamster wheel of devotion? You see, because what happens is over time, when we're no longer touching him, we have to find a way to satisfy our devotional efforts and the expression of what we know to do in other ways. So then we begin to pride ourselves on, well, I prayed this long this morning. Well, I read this many chapters today. You can read 40 chapters. Did you touch him? Did you hear from him? Is your heart becoming soft and sensitive in his presence? Is he renewing you day by day, though the outward man perish? When was the last time you wept before God? 
You see, when I first got saved, at the mention of his name because of what he had done for me, it was so real. And I'm not saying was like it's past tense because I never gave in to the argument that I'd become just some normal church-going weirdo over time. I am a weirdo, but it's of the opposite side. And I don't want to be normal according to what the church defines as normal. Because he did something to me. And it's not stale. It's not growing old. It's not something that I've moved on from. There is no moving on from Jesus. There's nothing better than Jesus. There's nobody better than Jesus. There's nothing better than Jesus. And all I want is Jesus. You see, I'm at the Converge Conference. Converge is where two points meet, where they align, where a harmony, an overlap, a synergy takes place. You see, something happened to me when Jesus touched down in my life. There became a convergence, and heaven literally met earth. God's desire has always been the mixing of divinity and humanity. It's why he gave us the spirit. And Paul tells us in Romans that because we have the down payment of the Holy Ghost, we can believe everything that God says to be yes and amen because it's faithful, he's true, because we have the spirit. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost by somebody tricking me. I'm telling you, I was at the altar every time it was open. It didn't matter if you were preaching about marital problems. I'm early 20s and I'm coming every time. I didn't care if it was financial worries. I'm, I'm at the altar every time. And I think that this was one of those nights. Hey, if you have a child that's a prodigal and they're away from the house, come down to the altar. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter to me what the call was. I wanted Jesus. And I didn't believe that there was some protocol. Well, hey, listen, brother, if you, if you don't listen to exactly what they say for the reason you're supposed to be coming, now let, let's just wait, right? Because we're going to make the preacher like say what your address is and what your phone number is in order for you to know you're supposed to come. And we're going to make the preacher beg people to come to the altar. I promise you, I ain't begging nobody. I promise you, I ain't begging anybody. You don't want to be up here? I don't want you to be up here either. Right? Because you're not going to do something for me that you wouldn't do for him. It didn't matter to me what they were talking about. All I knew is that I met him and I wanted more of him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm telling you, no matter where you think you've been, no matter how much you think you've seen, no matter how much of a glimpse or a taste you may have thought you have enjoyed up until this moment right now, there is so much more to Jesus. The never-ending well of great experience. And when he touches you, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 says that we are enjoying we are literally partaking of the heavenly gift by way of the Holy Spirit, and we have tasted the powers of the age to come. There's more to him. And I came down to the altar. I didn't have any children. They made a prodigal son altar call. But again, I didn't care. Don't come pray for me. You don't have to pray for me. I want Jesus. 
I didn't come for you. You're great. But I didn't come for you. And so I'm on my face. And the associate pastor comes over to me and he says, son, God wants to fill you with his spirit tonight. And I thought, man, God wants that for me? Really? I didn't even know what that meant. But I said, man, God wants something for me? Man, if God wants it for me, I want it. He said, lift your hands and begin to pray. And I lifted my hands and began to pray. And all of a sudden, this eruption, I didn't know where it came from. Nobody gave me the class before service in order to understand the context of what was about to go down. I didn't get the explanation before the experience. You see, too many of us, we have an explanation, but we have no experience. I didn't have the explanation before the experience. I had the experience and now had to go searching for an explanation. You see, I get it all the time. People are like, oh, well, that's just not the stream that I'm a part of. I don't care about streams. I care about Jesus. Then you get, well, if it's not in the Bible, brother, then I I just don't know what to do with all that stuff. Do you understand how much wild, crazy, chaotic stuff is in the Bible that does not align well with our understanding? Jacob wrestles with an angel all night long. Anybody in here wrestling with angels? Ezekiel says, as I was sitting with the leaders in my house, the hand of the Lord came upon me and the Holy Ghost snatched me up by my hair, ripped me out of my body, suspended me between the heavens and the earth, and took me in spirit travel to Jerusalem. Talk about some frequent flyer miles. Daniel says, in the afternoon at the third hour of prayer, I'm on my knees with the window open praying to God, and a man whom I had seen in earlier vision form flew in the window. Man, and you guys get upset when somebody starts dancing a little too aggressive. Right? Like, I, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do with all that stuff, Pastor. Like, man, stuff is just getting, it's getting a little too loose in there for my liking. You know, there's just, man, there's stuff that I'm comfortable with. And, brother, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this. But, man, they're getting a little wild. They're getting a little crazy. I don't know, I don't know how to handle all this. It's hard for me to process now. Some of us are trying to be too normal. Your portion is not to be normal according to what the world categorizes us as. You're not just supposed to be an integrated, little comfortable, casual, little believing Jesus Christian that doesn't upset anything where you go. Just obey the laws of the land and do what you're supposed to do. You think you have fire on your life so you can be normal? You think you got the Holy Ghost and a taste of the powers of the age to come so you could just settle back into society nice and neat? You can just make sure you don't upset anybody. Man, you don't understand. Something happened to me. I was dead in my trespasses. I've been translated from a kingdom that was only darkness and death. And now I'm alive. I tell everybody September 17th is the day I was born. But October 6th is the day I found out why. Because when I met Jesus, I came alive. I was just existing. I was just living. I was just trying to do my due diligence. I was just trying to stay off the front page of the paper and out of jail. And I wasn't doing good at either one. 
But then I met him. And I came alive. You see, I believe with all of my heart tonight that tonight God wants to crush insecurities and fears. I believe with all of my heart tonight that God wants to baptize some of us completely and totally afresh in the Holy Ghost. Man, you're saying completely and totally afresh. What does that mean? I was filled 20 years ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's been so long. I'm sorry it's been so long since you've had an encounter. My Bible tells me that in Acts 2, they got filled the first time. But in Acts 4, verse 30 and 31, when they were going through hell and trial and all the opposition that was against them because they were tearing the streets up and turning stuff upside down, people were getting healed and other people were getting beaten, put in jail. But Jesus was being glorified and every opportunity they had, they said, we don't know what to do about what's going on out there, but I do know what to do about what's going on in here. And they would get together. And the places where they would gather would literally begin to shake. And it says they were all filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. You see, because something happens to us when the Holy Ghost gets on us. Something happens to us when we yield our hearts through sensitivity to God and the Holy Spirit becomes the thing that determines our behaviors and our mindsets and our actions, something changes. You see, for me, I don't want to be what the world categorizes as a Christian. Hey, listen, you guys just stay in there on Sundays. Don't come out here. Don't try to mess stuff up. We'll leave you alone as long as you stay in there. We'll let you be as long as you keep it to yourself. You can sing all your little songs. You can do all your little stuff. Something happens when we get the Holy Ghost on us. You see, because you have to understand that God has a desire by you being filled with the Spirit. You being filled with the Spirit was just not so that you could be filled enough in order to have a confidence to know that you would go to heaven. Right? You being filled with the Spirit was not just about you being filled enough so that you could have a confidence in knowing that the penalty for your sin has been covered. You see, I just don't want to know that the penalty has been covered. I want to know that it's possible for the desire to be rooted out of me. By becoming a new creation, my promise is now that I can walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and no longer satisfy the lustful desires of the flesh. You see, but too many times we put this in a box where it's only pertaining to sexual things. The cravings of the natural man, the lustful desires of the strength of this flesh. Our promise is not to have to live a life whose origin is from the earth, a lower level. We are not to be governed by our fleshly thinking. We are not to be controlled by the cravings of this natural man. Why? Because I have the spirit. And when I get the spirit, and I've tasted the powers of the age to come, and I actually become a new creation, then all things are possible. All things are possible. You see, I said in the beginning, I bump into people who publicly, they're gifted and they love Jesus with their lips, but privately are in shambles. They're falling apart, but they're being celebrated for what they can do and they've lost the desire to change what they are. Our promise was not to get filled with the Holy Ghost so you could be the next famous preacher. 
It was not to get filled with the Spirit so you could be the next recognized worship leader. We are literally ambassadors of another kingdom. We are agents, we are conduits of breakthrough, brokers of transformation in the earth. And when you settle for only getting filled with the Spirit so you can become a professional churchgoer, you see, some of us are professional churchgoers. I have zero interest in being a professional churchgoer. I want to be a powerful Jesus lover. And some of us have lost sight of the prize because of our professionalism. Some of us have learned all the routines and all the rhythms, and we're so settled, we're so comfortable, we are so integrated into a place that has not challenged transformation in our life that we're no longer even thinking that we are in need of changing. You see, but Paul says that something happens to those that are in Christ. You see, what I need to understand is that when I get filled with the Spirit, there is now no longer any excuse for all of my human tendencies and my, uh, let's say, acceptable human behavior. What do I mean? What do I mean is this. I was sitting with the Lord again after, shortly after getting saved, and I remember sitting in my room on the floor holding my Bible with tears running down my face. And I was in a struggle. I was early 20s. I was single. I didn't want to go through all this stuff anymore. And I remember just being, just being blatantly honest. I remember telling the Lord, why won't you take these sexual desires away from me? You know that I would be able to succeed if you would just take them away from me. But you see, then things got into somewhat of a little bit of a manipulative place because I began to put it back on God rather than taking accountability for my own life and my own actions. And I said, because you won't take them away from me and you understand that I'm weak in this area, then this must not be my fault. Because if you really wanted me to succeed, you would take this away from me. You would help me here. You would do this for me. And you see, I said things like, because you know every time this comes up, I'm not going to do well. You know every time I end up in this situation, I'm going to buckle. I said, Lord, you, you must not want me to be free. And I heard something so clear, and maybe God doesn't speak to you this way, but he sure does to me. And I heard these words, man up. I had never felt so offended in my life. I felt like I had been slapped by the Spirit, and I was like, Lord, I don't understand. And God said, being human is no longer an excuse for acting human. Not when you claim that I'm inside. You see, I want you to know that God is not intimidated by sin. That God is not sitting up on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost has not taken up residency inside of you. He's not anxious. He's not afraid. He's not timid. He's not worried. He's not backing down. He's not overwhelmed. He's not wondering what he's going to do the next time you confront whatever it is that you're going to confront. The Lord said, because I'm in you, you no longer have the only responsibility of claiming that this is always going to be a problem for you. This is only a problem for you if you continue to agree that this problem for you is stronger than what I'm doing on the inside of you. 
You see, one man of God says it this way, eventually we're going to have to believe in our own conversion. Because what happens over time is we end up glorifying the struggle more than we do God himself. And for some of us, the revolving door has been the place where we've grown our identity. And we consider our lives in light of where we are not free rather than continually contending for the promise of being free and free indeed. Because God in his love wants to set you free. You see, but if I don't understand this, then I will begin to resist certain things that God has designed. God wants to set you free, and not just free only in the places where you agree that you need to be free. Not only in the compartmentalizing of our lives and the places of agreement where we want to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into this box, sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into that box, put a little bit of Jesus over here because I've surveyed the land and I understand that if I can get Jesus into certain boxes or categories that it's going to be a benefit to me. No, God wants us to be free at a default foundational level of who we actually are and not just the image and the facade that we know how to keep alive whenever other people are around. Meaning God wants to get in my business and completely free me from all of the business that I'm hiding from everyone else. You see, because you can gather and you can sing songs. You can even speak in tongues and still be a drug addict. You can speak in tongues while you're walking into the strip club. You can speak in tongues while you're opening up the computer and bound by the images that you see on the screen. This is not our promise. This is not what God promised. He promised that we would be in this world, but not of this world. He promised that through the powers of the age to come, the bondages, all of the entanglements of sin that so easily beset us and keep us grounded in a fleshly, earthly level would be cast off by the power of the Spirit. It's not by our own wisdom. It's not by our own devices. It's not by all of our networking or even our social status, but it's the power of the Holy Ghost. And I don't hear a lot anymore about the power of the Holy Ghost. A lot of seeker-sensitive, attractional model. Let's get a bigger building and grow our attendance. <laughs> it's the power of the Spirit that sets us free from every bit of bondage. It's the power of the Spirit that sets us free from all of the crippling devices of the fleshly man. It's the power of the Spirit that untangles all of the arguments even in our mind because the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And we have to come into agreement with our inheritance so we can see the convergence of everything that's been promised to us. I want what God wants for me. And I want to live a life that heaven amens. But if I don't understand what's all been made available to me, then I'll sell myself short. But when I get filled with the Spirit, because I'm telling you, there is something to this. Man, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and it ruined my life. Everything I thought I wanted, all of what I considered to be normal. Hey, listen, if we're going to do this thing, let's really do this thing. 
Like, let's go after it all. I want it all. I want the Holy Ghost. I want prayer and fasting and worship and devotion. I want the word. I want dreams and visions and encounters. I want wild intersections and crossroads with God. I want it all. And if we're going to do it, then let's do it and let's go all in. Stop sitting out on the fringes thinking, well, I, I only like this much. It's not about what you like. What has been made available to you? And through the fullness of the Holy Ghost, God brings us into a life now by the Spirit. I don't want to be normal. I want to be sensitive to God. I don't want to be the same as everybody else. I want my heart to be fine-tuned to his presence. I want my ears to be fine-tuned to his voice. I want to walk sensitive everywhere that I am, knowing that at any given moment, all hell could break loose. Because Jesus is on the inside. Because the Holy Ghost is on the inside. You see, Acts chapter 8 gives us the life story of a man by the name of Philip. And Philip, the Bible says, has come to Samaria to preach Jesus to them. I'm not interested in your opinions. Tell me about Jesus. I'm not interested in all of the other fluff and the stuff and all of the other insulators and buffers and all of the other crazy stuff that just gets in the way. I want to know about Jesus. And Philip comes to preach Jesus to them. And it says that devils are being casted out. And bodies are being healed. And great joy has come over the whole city. Why? Because Philip is there. Philip is one man. One man against a city. And one man turns everything upside down. One man shakes everything that can be shaken. You have to stop limiting what you're capable of when the Holy Ghost gets on you. You see, your insecurities and your fears would want you to believe that you have to live underneath the capacity to which God has given you. But all things are possible to them that believe. And when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you begin to see yourself like God sees you, you understand that it's no longer about the way that I define myself because he's in me. It doesn't matter to me what my challenges have been up until now. He's in me. It doesn't matter to me what people's opinions have been about me my whole life. Because now he's in me. And Philip is one man that has been filled with the Holy Ghost and is in a city and he is shaking everything that can be shaken. How would you live if you really thought God was in you? How would you pray if you really thought that God was in you? What would happen to you if all of the fears in your life that are keeping you from living fully alive were all of a sudden crushed under the weight of his goodness and the power of the Spirit? Because to any degree that you are fearful, you are not fully alive. Because fear is the greatest resistance to your freedom. Who would you be if you weren't afraid? Who would you be if you weren't worried about what everybody else thought? Who would you be if you just didn't care anymore about anything or anyone except for Jesus? And I'm not talking about in some wild, rebellious, like this uh, rogue, like all this kind of crazy stuff. No, this isn't a license for immaturity. This is a, it's an exemption for only dependency. 
where you never graduate from dependency because there is nothing better than Jesus. But who would you be if you weren't afraid? Because I'm telling you, to any degree that fear is operating in your heart, you are not as free as you can be. You're not as free as you can be. But when you understand that God in me is working to give the eviction notice to every ounce of fear in me, I begin to understand that the more my life gets deeply rooted in walking with him and loving him, that I understand that over time it's him in me that begins to change me. And all of my years of effort and all of my years of struggling and all of my years of bondage and all of my years of imagery and smoke and mirrors and fake it till you make it, when he really gets deep down inside me and when I yield to him completely, he begins to change me. And his love in me has come to confront fear. First John 4, 17, 18 tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is a cancer to the inner man. Because fear is the manufacturing plant of insecurities. Insecurity has its rooting, has its bearings, has its life source in fear. And I'm not talking about insecurity like, oh, well, you don't like the way this outfit looks on me. I'm talking about other dependencies that we have created out of a lack of dependency in Jesus. Because anything that does not have its rooting and its bearings in the person of Jesus becomes an insecurity. (laughs) Anything that does not have its origin, its tethering to Jesus as a real person over time becomes an insecurity because it's developed out of fear. And when I feel like I need more than Jesus, when I feel like I need something other than Jesus, when I'm okay with having Jesus so long as I have these things too because these other things are easier to control than Jesus is. These other things are easier to identify with than Jesus is. But anything that we identify with outside of a deeply rooted love for Jesus becomes an insecurity because it has an expiration date. There is one that is eternal. There is one that is unchanging. There is one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it is Jesus. And in times when the shaking begins to shake... Because again, if I don't understand the operation of perfect love within me, then I will begin to resist things that God has designed for me. Because perfect love is trying to get rid of fear. And anything that you feel you can't live without, now we're touching the hot seat of our insecurities. Well, no, 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 you, you just don't understand how long I've worked in this company and you don't understand like the, the title that I have and you don't understand like the, the pay that I have and you don't understand like the income that I deserve and you don't understand the gifting that I have and you don't understand how long I've fasted and prayed and you don't understand how long I've labored and I've served in order to get the opportunity that I have. You don't know what it was like and all the sleepless, restless nights and all the believing and all the contending in order to have the title that they've given me. You just don't know what it's like in the moment where the shaking begins to shake anything that we feel like we cannot live without is tied into an insecurity 
And if you can't, live free from it. You'll never be able to be fully trusted with it. God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, right? Your only son, not the things you've tried to do on your own strength in order to fulfill the thing I said to you, but take, take your only son, Isaac, and take him up to the top of the mountain, lay him down, right? And Abraham takes him. He takes him to the top of the mountain. He tells everybody at the base, at the foot of the mountain, he says, stay here. Me and the boy are going to worship. And he gets to the top of the mountain. And when he gets to the top of the mountain, the Bible says that he lifts the knife, but his sensitivity to God's voice interrupts him. And God says, I never actually wanted you to get rid of him. I just had to know that you could live free from him. And some of us are holding on to things incredibly tight because we've been defined by them. <laughs> and we've become defined by them to a degree that we feel like we, who, we wouldn't know who we would be if we did not have them. Now we're getting to the root of insecurities. Some of us have been something for so long that we wouldn't even know how to identify ourselves if we didn't have the thing that we have set our anchor into. He said, I didn't actually want you to have to kill him. I just wanted to know if you could live free from him. Because if you cannot live free from him, then you'll never be able to steward him the way that I want you to steward him. You will constantly be getting in the way. You will constantly be fighting with me when I'm trying to say something or trying to do something. But the thing that I'm speaking to you about, I have to know that it has not come up higher in your heart than the place that I deserve. So I didn't actually want you to kill him. You see, this is the instance that we have in Abraham's life because Abraham actually obeys the Lord fully in dealing with what God saw in him as an insecurity. And he says, now that I know that you could live free from him, man, I'll bless you like I've always wanted to bless you. I'll fulfill every word that I've ever spoken to you. I can do everything in your life that I've always desired to do because now I know that your insecurities will not get in the way of you loving me faithfully. You see, but we have the opposite example with a man in Mark chapter 10. The Bible describes him as a rich young ruler and he comes face to face with Jesus and he is now face to face with God. He is face to face with God. And Jesus says, if you want to come my way, turn around, go give all your stuff away and come back. And the Bible says he turns around and he walks away. And we don't get the privilege to know if he would have experienced the same outcome as Abraham. Meaning, I didn't actually expect you to go give it all away. But since I knew you would, but since I knew that you were willing, we find a man whose insecurity caused him to identify with his possessions more than the invitation that Jesus was giving him. We find a man who was not willing to separate or to sever his identification with materialism and wealth and influence so much so that he rejected an invitation to come with Jesus. And what is it 
that perfect love on the inside of us has been troubling. Because I'm telling you, if you think that God has put the spirit in you and that perfect love is working inside of you just to preserve your level of comfort. Woo! I'm telling you, man, falling more in love with Jesus becomes troublesome. Falling more in love with God becomes an issue to those of us that have wants that we don't want to surrender to Jesus. And by the Spirit, His love in us is trying to free us from everything that would resist us from giving it all to Him. Don't think that you just got the Spirit so that God could preserve your sense of happy. Don't think that you just got the Spirit so that you could grow comfortable and calloused and you could just do things your own way. There's more of a responsibility on your life. There's more of an accountability when God takes up residency on the inside. Again, he did not give you fire so you could just do it all your own way. But you have fire so that anything in you that's resisting him can get burned up. You have fire so that that fire that's raging on the inside for our God is an all-consuming fire. And this fire that is in you is trying to burn up every ounce of resistance that is in you so you can more fully and freely come alive and give all of your life to Jesus. You can sing whatever you want to sing. My life is not my own. To you I belong. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Hold on. My life is not my own. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Except there. Okay, let's try this again. All right. God, I'll say whatever you want me to say. Well, no, 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 no. I don't like the way that sounds. They're going to be offended. Hold on. Let me step this way. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. No, 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 no. That, God, what I meant was I'll do whatever I want to do, and I want you to bless it. God, I'll go wherever I want to go, and then I'm going to beg you to be involved. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, God. What I want to happen is I want you to yield to me so that I can lead you along and throw your name on a bunch of stuff that I want to do, and then I'll call it the will of God because it looks like God, but I just don't want to learn godly activity or behaviors. I just don't want to slap the name of Jesus on whatever my own self-ambition and prideful desires are trying to generate. I want whatever is in me that is resisting a full yes coming out of me to be burned up. And there's something about the fire when it gets on you. Man, I'm telling you, you become dangerous when you don't have any worldly attachments. Man, I'm telling you, you become dangerous. All things become possible. When the fire really gets on you and your heart becomes soft and you're willing to yield to God and you're actually willing to go wherever he wants you to go and do whatever he wants you to do, Philip is a man wildly possessed by the Holy Ghost and he no longer matters about resume building. It no longer matters about networking. It no longer matters about protocol and structure. All Philip knows is that I've got something on the inside of me that is alive and just like Jeremiah said, even if I wanted to deny him, I wouldn't be able to because there's something on the inside and it's like fire and it's burning in my bones. Where's the fire in your bones? Where's the fire in your bones? 
man, if we need anything, I need God to touch me. I need him to put his fire back on my life. I need to come to grips with, hey, I'm just not on fire like I should be and throw myself before God. Because there's not enough fleshly mechanics. You can't manufacture fire. (laughs) You can't buy it. You can't leverage it. You can't get enough followers on Facebook in order to find it. Some of us have settled for so many lesser realities. I really feel like tonight God is calling us all up because there's so much more available. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.